Witness Docs from Stitcher. Previously on All American. There it is, Serena Williams. She is the 2002 U.S. Open champion and remains the number one player in the world. Yeah, I would like to thank everyone that supported me, and if they didn't, I love you guys anyway. Thank you. Do you have a moment out there on the court? We saw the celebration to exchange any words with Venus. No, not really. She was always just through the screen and saying, great job. And she's so supportive in the crowd. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Look, Serena Williams, Matrix. Serena, Matrix. Serena, Matrix. This is a direct TV commercial that first aired in late 2021. It shows Serena Williams playing tennis against six identical women. They're all positioned on different parts of the court, and Serena beats them all. This commercial is a tribute to what Serena has come to represent. She's a living superhero, a symbol of greatness in American culture. But when I first saw it, I thought this is such a tribute to what it must have felt like playing Serena Williams in 2015, because at the time she could hit winners from virtually anywhere on the court. Her 2015 season was the greatest tennis season Serena Williams has ever played. And not just because of her dominance on the tennis court, but also because this is the season we saw a massive shift in how America viewed her. As you've heard in this series, early in their careers, the Williams sisters were not so universally beloved. At times, they were even vilified. A crescendo of booze for Serena Williams. But this 2015 season is where that all changed, and even where some old wounds began to heal. I'm Cecil Harris, and this is All American, Venus and Serena, Episode 8, Greatness. Serena entered her 2015 season on a high. She had just won the U.S. Open at the end of the previous season, so there was a lot at stake for Serena. When you're at the top, you have to work hard to stay there. 
I hopped on a call with my producer Albert to talk about why everything was lining up just right for Serena. Let's put Serena in context. It's 2015. Uh, tell me how old she is and how how well she's playing. Serena began the year at age 33. She would turn 34 at the end of September. And that's usually the age where tennis stars are starting to wind down. They're in the twilight of their careers. But Serena was extremely motivated to continue winning major titles and very fit. And that combination of her still being extremely motivated, very fit, hungry to win more major titles, really produced the best tennis I've ever seen Serena Williams produce. She was at her absolute best in 2015, and she wanted everybody to see it. (laughs) Serena's first major tournament of 2015 was the Australian Open in January. Have we ever seen anything quite like her? She's a phenomenon, an icon, a legend. Ladies and gentlemen, Serena Williams. Serena raised her first place trophy at the 2015 Australian Open in front of adoring fans in Melbourne. I love you back. I really do. This was her 19th major tournament title, and it was her second major tournament win in a row. This win was putting her on track to achieve some historic records. The first was winning a Grand Slam. A Grand Slam means winning all four major tournaments in the same year. In order to do this in 2015, Serena would need to win the Australian Open, the French Open, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open. Her win at the Aussie Open meant she was on pace to do this. But only five players in the history of tennis have ever done it before. It is a massive feat. And in 2015, if anyone could do it, it would be Serena Williams. The second record Serena was chasing was the all-time record for Grand Slam titles. This simply means winning the most titles ever in tennis. The all-time record is 24 titles, and it's held by Australia's Margaret Court. Serena now had 19 titles to her name. So if Serena could win all four majors in 2015 and get that Grand Slam, she would be within reach of that all-time record. But before Serena would compete in the next major tournament, there was something else standing in her way. In the spring, uh, you know, four days after winning Australia, suddenly she announces that she's returning to Indian Wells. This is Scott Price. You heard from him in a couple of our earlier episodes. He's a former writer for Sports Illustrated. And in 2015, he was following Serena closely for the magazine. And that was a titanic announcement in the Williams family history. You know, Indian Wells was radioactive. And it was big news in the tennis universe. Her return was grabbing headlines. CNN even made a profile piece about it. I no longer want to let an unfortunate single incident overshadow all the great memories that my family has created there. Serena says it is that attitude that motivates her return to Indian Wells. 
Fans there still bristle at being called racist. Stigmatized, they say, for the last 14 years. They await with a reception no one can predict. If you'll recall from episode four of this series, the Indian Wells tournament in 2001 was ugly. The crowd was completely hostile toward 19-year-old Serena and her family. And there's Father Richard coming down. It's quite amazing. Joe Jury alongside me, Simon Reed. There's Venus. And the crowd, an American crowd, booing an American family. The optics of this moment were clear. A largely white crowd was booing a black family. Plus, Richard, Venus, and Serena have all said they heard the N-word shouted during this match. I mean, it was hard. And I just remember I was losing and I didn't even care. I was like, I don't want to win. I just want to get out of this with dignity. Serena has rarely talked about this moment. But in 2021, she spoke about it on Red Table Talk. I just remember getting in the car and I was just bawling. I was Mm -hmm. at the gas station. There was no celebration and I was just like crying and crying and crying. After the racist treatment the Williams family endured at Indian Wells in 2001, they vowed they would never return to the tournament. It was a blight on the sport because if for no other reason, every year when Indian Wells came around, people would say, well, why is this? Why, why, why aren't the Williams sisters playing Indian Wells? You know, this is the fifth major. But there was an accusing sort of finger pointed, you know, silently from the Williams family at Indian Wells every year. We're not here, and you know why we're not here. So it was, it was, a, it was a scar. It was an absolute scar on the sport. And it was a scar that could only be healed and a wound that could only be healed by Serena. As the most dominant player in tennis and in the Williams household at the time, Serena's return to Indian Wells would be a clear gesture. And nobody in her family wanted to do it. They didn't want her to do it, and they didn't want to go with her. The hurt was too bad. So Venus and Richard were not ready to go back. And Orsine told me, I never would have gone back. I mean, I, she never would have done what Serena did. She said, not because I didn't forgive them, but because of my own integrity. If they didn't think I deserved to be there, then I don't need to be there. The move to return to the tournament wasn't a simple one for Serena, especially because her family was not completely on board with the choice. But Serena was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and she told Scott that because of her upbringing, she felt she had to forgive. I mean, Orsine said to me, you know, to, to learn to forgive, she has a real problem with that. It was a big step for her. She's the kind of person who would get revenge on you, and it was never going to end. So Serena internally had to go against Serena. And finally, you know, Richard said to her that it would be a mistake for her not to go back. That clearly she needed to do it and they weren't going to hold her back. Serena also told Scott that part of her motivation to make such a magnanimous gesture to Indian Wells was the killing of 18-year-old Michael Brown just the year before. In 2001, Serena was around Michael Brown's age when she endured that racist treatment at Indian Wells. And she told Scott in 2015, quote, We still have young black men being killed. Someone needed to do something. And I thought then that there was something greater than me and tennis. I needed to go back there and speak out against racism. She knew her return would get a lot of media attention. And even with all the anticipation for her return, 
Serena told Scott that she kept wavering about the decision. Should I go? I don't know. She had a panic attack in her bedroom two days before. Maybe I shouldn't go. What if it's horrible? What if they boo again? How can I get out of this? But Serena stood firm. On the morning the tournament started, Serena held a press conference to discuss her decision to return. In order to forgive, you have to be able to really let go of everything. And, you know, I kind of let go a long time ago and I kind of forgave, but I still wasn't at a point where I was ready to come back to to Indian Wells. The stadium was packed for Serena's first match. Richard and Venus didn't make the trip, but Serena's older sisters, Isha and Landrea, were there. So was Orisine. This was the moment Serena had been scared to confront for 14 years. Finally, she stepped onto the court. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the number one player in the world, Serena Williams! To Serena's surprise, the crowd was incredibly warm. She played her match and won it in two sets. And the crowd cheered her when she came on, the crowd cheered her throughout, and the crowd stood up and gave her a standing ovation and cheered when she walked off. It was a short match, but it was a long time coming. And Serena continued to advance in the tournament. But when she reached the semifinal, she had to pull out of competition because of an injury. In 2001, when Venus had to pull out of the tournament because of an injury, she was criticized by the tournament's director. She didn't have the chance to speak for herself, and the crowd booed her. This time around, the Indian Wells tournament made sure that nothing like that happened again they offered Serena a chance to explain herself to the crowd. I want to first say, welcome home. You belong here. We love you. And welcome back to Indian Wells. After the correspondent welcomed Serena back, he asked her to tell the crowd what was going on with her physically. 
Uh, yes, uh, a couple of days ago in my practice, I just really injured my knee and I fought through it and I kept playing and um, today I, I just could, was struggling just to just to even walk and it was it was really sad because um, you know, I, I really just felt four months ago I decided to start this journey and come back here at a place that I've had so much success. Serena told the crowd that it was great to be back, to be able to build new memories. And she promised she would return the next year. Serena, on behalf of everybody here at Indian Wells, we wish you a speedy recovery. We love you. This is always home. And please know that there's an invitation for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the number one player in the world, Serena Williams. Clearly, Indian Wells officials wanted to get this right. They wanted the whole world to know how sorry they were for how the Williams family had been treated 14 years earlier. At this point in her career, Serena was going on two decades of playing tennis. She had 19 Grand Slam titles and singles and four Olympic gold medals to her name. But she told Scott that this was the most important moment of her career. She said, you know, everyone always asked, what was your greatest moment in tennis? And I always said it hasn't happened. But I think it has happened now, and that was going back to Indian Wells and playing. It released a lot of feelings I didn't even know I had. I was really surprised at how emotional I got and how relieved I felt after everything was said and done. So it was letting go. Although Serena says that returning to Indian Wells was her greatest moment in tennis, she certainly tacked on a few more that same season. After Indian Wells, Serena won the French Open in June. And a month later, she won Wimbledon too. And she's done it. Thank you so much. Serena's 2015 season was headed in a historic direction, with wins at the Australian Open, the French Open, and now Wimbledon. Serena had three of the four titles she needed to complete the Grand Slam. The last tournament she needed to win, the 2015 U.S. Open. Serena breezed through the first few rounds of the Open, and when she made it to the quarterfinals, she found herself up against a familiar foe, her sister, Venus. The closest she has to a rival is her sister. Venus to serve. The announcers of this match had a huge primetime event on their hands because the sister act was back. Venus versus Serena. The Williams Bowl. Many years earlier, tennis fans used to complain about seeing the Williams sisters playing each other. They said that the sisters were too similar and that it wasn't an interesting matchup. Now, more than a decade later, this was the match to watch, or as the broadcaster called it, the place you want to be tonight. Where you are, where we are, where the Williams sisters are. Oprah Winfrey and Gail King. The camera panned and showed the many celebrities in the crowd. Kim Kardashian, who apparently had tea with Serena yesterday. 
it was an extraordinary sort of um, nod from celebrity America. Here's Scott Price again. Not only not only are you one of us, but you're doing something here that really none of us can really ever get to. I think it's almost like the celebrities that were there all wanted to tick a box and say, yeah, I was there at the U.S. Open the year Serena won the Grand Slam. We started this podcast series in 2002 at this very tournament. And at the time, the crowd was actively rooting against the sisters. Now, at the U.S. Open in 2015, the crowd was there in full support of them. It was absolutely the most electrifying atmosphere of the entire tournament up to that point. Everybody understood the event and the moment. More than a decade earlier, the sister act in a Grand Slam event was commonplace. In fact, in 2002, Serena and Venus played each other in the final of three major tournaments. But as the years went on, the sister act became a rarity. Game set match, Serena Williams. Wow. What a way to end a match. Two sets to one. Six two, one six, six three. Serena defeated her sister in three sets, but it was the first time in the tournament that Serena was pressed in a match. They both played it at a high level. But Venus's demeanor throughout was, was intense. She had never said before, at least as far as I could tell uh, publicly, that Serena's the best ever. And, you know, after the match, she did. You could see she wanted to give it everything she had against Serena. So at the end, they meet at the net, and Serena is happy to, with the win, but subdued. You know, by the time she made it to the net, Venus was already smiling. And Venus said, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. If not for Serena and Venus, there would have been a total drought of American tennis going back more than a decade. By 2015, no American man had won a major tennis tournament in 12 years. Together, the Williams sisters were the best American tennis players of the 21st century. The crowd gave them standing ovations before and after this match. This was a sign to me that America was finally giving the Williams sisters their due. And it wasn't just a celebration of Serena and her chance to finally win a Grand Slam. It was also a celebration of Venus. Both sisters were still playing at an extremely high level two decades after their careers began. But the crowd absolutely let the sisters know how much they loved and appreciated everything that they'd done for their entire careers and what they had given them. And, and also, I think, to a certain extent, said, we understand how hard it's been. That, you know, maybe we misunderstood just because you were so good, both of you. Uh, maybe we never really understood how, how tough it was, nevertheless, for you to walk the walk that you guys took through the Open over all these years and through tennis all these years. So I can't put a price on what that meant to them. And I think, too, it was good for the American tennis crowd, the U.S. Open crowd, to have a chance to be able to, to show them that. Now that Serena had beaten Venus in the quarterfinals, she was one step closer to winning the U.S. Open and achieving that historic Grand Slam. Can you set the stage for us of Serena entering the semifinals at the 2015 U.S. Open? It was really the first time I saw the ESPN hype machine go into overdrive to publicize a female athlete. You, know, you would see the teases on SportsCenter, the teases on ESPN's other programming. See Serena Williams on her march toward a Grand Slam. 
Serena was the overwhelming favorite to win her semifinal match at the U.S. Open. She was playing against um, Roberta Vinci, who was world number one in doubles, but that's a big difference from being world number one in singles. Uh, when Vinci is responsible for covering the whole court, she is not nearly as formidable. So Roberta Vinci was just like the opponent. Muhammad Ali against an opponent, you know. Well, the one way you don't want to see Serena start a match if you're an opponent is with an ace because that relaxes her so much in any match. And Serena won the first set easily, 6-2. Serena put it in anyway. More streaming. She's got the game. She's got the set. She's on her way here today at the U.S. Open. But then the weight of great expectations really got to her. And the first thing I noticed that Serena was having trouble moving. And it's as if, you know, her body got heavy, her legs got heavy, and she struggled to play her game. And she was fighting herself. And then she was a veteran. And not on Serena's level as a tennis player, but a veteran. I'm sure she could see that Serena was struggling because Vinci's game plans just seem to be keep the ball in play. And Serena's making so many mistakes. She could give me this match. be a calendar grand slam at this U.S. Open. The 43rd player in the world has taken out Serena Williams. The crowd at this semifinal match was shocked. You could just hear how disappointed everyone was. They wouldn't be seeing history. It was a stunning upset. But it was also relatable. We've all dealt with disappointment in our lives. And here was Serena Williams having to deal with the disappointment of not getting something that she really wanted badly. It just didn't happen. The Grand Slam is so rare. It hasn't been done since Steffi Groff in 1988. And who knows if we'll ever see one again in tennis. All season, tennis fans around the world were seeing a superhuman dominate. But now, at home, the U.S. Open crowd was seeing the human version of Serena. And it seemed they loved her all the same. Serena didn't have to win to earn America's affection. She had their hearts. But she also had something else, something called a Serena Slam. Can you explain what the Serena Slam is? Serena won the 2014 U.S. Open. She won the 2015 Australian Open. 
She won the 2015 French Open and she won the 2015 Wimbledon. That's four in a row. That's the Serena Slam. She had all four major titles at the same time. In 2002, Serena won the French Open. That's where it started. She won the 2002 French Open. She won the 2002 Wimbledon. She won the 2002 U.S. Open. And she won the 2003 Australian Open. That was her first Serena Slam. Serena winning her second Serena Slam 12 years after her first put her in the conversation of the greatest of all time alongside Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky, Usain Bolt, Tom Brady, Pele. She belongs in that conversation because her greatness stands the test of time. She did it over an extended period. It's impressive enough to win all four major titles consecutively in your 20s. But she did it more than a decade later in her mid-30s. And that's really what makes you an all-time great. Serena Williams. Uh, she's a little sister for me, and she always will be. And thank you so much for asking me to present this award. At the end of 2015, Venus Williams presented her sister Serena with Sports Illustrated's highest honor, Sports Person of the Year. Serena took the stage in a strappy black gown. She thanked Jehovah God, her family, and her manager, because they all helped her get to this point. When I first learned that I would be sports person, yes, sports person of the year, I could not believe it. It had been over 30 years since the last time an SI um, had recognized a woman. Before Serena, this award was called Sportsman of the Year, no matter who received it. After her, the name was officially changed to Sportsperson for good. Women were finally being elevated in the discussion of goats, the greatest of all time. And that's because of Serena's accomplishments. Giving Serena this award and changing the name of it was an ode to this idea that women belong in the conversation about greatness and sport. I've had people look, put me down because I didn't look like them. I look stronger. I've had people look past me because of the color of my skin. I've had people overlook me because I was a woman. I had critics say I will never win another Grand Slam when I was only at number seven. And now here I stand today with 21 Grand Slam titles. And I'm still going. As Serena said, she still had more major titles to chase. The following year, she won Wimbledon. Then in 2017, she won the Australian Open. Serena was just one major tournament title away from tying the all-time record of 24 Grand Slam titles. Next time on All-American, Serena goes for 24, and controversy erupts yet again. All American is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. This episode was written by Jordan Bell 
with reporting and production by Albert Chen. Our mix engineer is Casey Holford, who also composed our original music. Our senior producer is Jordan Bell. Our story editor is Gianna Palmer. Our executive producer is Camille Stanley. Extra production support from Nora Ritchie, Gwenny Govea, and Manolo Morales. Fact-checking by Kelvin C. Bias. Legal support from Sidney Freeman and Thomas Burke at Davis Wright Tremaine. I'm your host, Cecil Harris. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.